Welcome to Everything In Between, the podcast where a dad and daughter duo delve deep into topics ranging from true crime to paranormal occurrences to urban legends and, well, everything in between. I'm Emma. I'm the dad. That's Anish. Um, And we are nearing the end. The hiatus. Yes, the pause. It still feels like an end. Well, it could be. I mean, I don't think so. I think you will, will do something every once in a while. Maybe we'll change it up as it goes on but but we're gonna try to make this one short the intro because uh (laughs) this is all my fault i completely take the blame because i started writing a story and i'm (laughs) already on page about to start page 12 so it's not even finished but we'll talk a little bit more about that on how we're how we plan 12 and he's not finished (laughs) so but yeah anyway um yeah so we'll keep it short we watched more kipo finally yeah um we watched the newest episode of all be gone in the dark uh, which was devastating yeah i that that it is so well done and mm-hmm. and we know what's gonna happen yet it's still shocking to me every episode yeah yeah and so we're at four of six already. Yes. yeah there's two more oh my goodness um we watched we finished the new unsolved mysteries yeah the, and that last episode holy mackerel insane yeah, yeah highly yeah. recommend we're not gonna give anything away but um for the I don't, don't want to. This may be offensive, but for those true true crime aficionados, <laughs> you'll immediately be like, "Oh wait, no, I'm not sure if I'm confusing it." Oh no, the last one was something else. I was thinking of the French one. The French one. Which one was the French one? The family in France that. Oh yeah. But that's not the one I'm thinking about. The last one was different. The, the last, last one. Was one different. Yeah. So anyway. I'm, I was confusing episodes. The there's last a, one is for all types of people. Exactly. That there's no. That was just crazy. Yeah, the French crazy. one will, re, will remind you of a different case, I believe, for all the true crime ones mm-hmm. out the true crime aficionados would say. But the last one is just you're just gonna be angry. You'll yeah. just oh my oh, god, absolutely, absolutely, yeah, oh yeah. But you should watch it. And then if you are a true crime sleuth, amateur sleuth, help. Yes, please. Maybe yeah, that's that what one. we'll do. Well, maybe that's what I'll do now that I won't have any podcasts. You could re-listen to all of our episodes. Okay, let's just move on. Quick, let's go. <laughs> um, we then, we watched, like, just last night, the old Unsolved Mysteries as well. Because um, I was a little confused. I was oh not confused. Curious. And it was real something. Really. Uh, I mean, the, I understand the cases. The reenactments <laughs> were, I, I <laughs> there is one reenactment, and this, I, I hate to say this because I don't want to make fun of somebody okay. who's died. But right. the reenactment of finding this body. Yeah, that was. It was like watching a Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I don't know what the, it was like. It was awful. I mean, yeah. not that Brooklyn Nine-Nine is bad, but just the way. It felt like it was part of a lighthearted show. And then there was another episode where the dude was in blackface. Yeah, that was really upsetting. Uh, 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 and that was in like so 95 you know or something. Don't watch it. Yeah, don't watch the old one. Yeah. Move on. Let's go on. Okay. Um, (laughs) We went up to Maine again. We had a good time. Um, Very, very hot up there. Yeah. Social Um, distancing. You guys have your own little dock thing that we did, and we got another one. So now you're going to have two. Oh, yeah. We're going to have our own little, like, social distance island. Yeah. Create these inflatable docks, like the inflatable subs. Um, It's really cool. I'm really proud. And we've rigged a way to get them on the car and get them down. Like, it's like almost, it's not a fine oiled machine yet, but it's going to get there. (laughs) We're getting there. Yes. I'm very excited. Um, and then we watched uh, The Nice Guys up in Maine, which was... <laughs> which I had seen. Incredible. Yes. I know you had seen it, I'm but so happy you guys got to watch it. Incredible. And I loved... It's like it's... <laughs> <laughs> so it, it takes place in the 70s, and I loved every second of it. Every second. I think maybe subliminally, all of the things that we we have watched is what helped me write the story. Because I'm just really? thinking about all these things we just did and how this... I'll explain while we go through it, but yeah. Interesting. But if you haven't seen The Nice Guys, it's on, was it on HBO Max? HBO Max. Yeah, I think it was HBO Max. Yeah, actually. But it was so good. And um, I really kind of, a lot of the, the wardrobe from the movie, I was Just really the soundtrack. Okay, yes. The, but the, the chemistry. Let's not worry about the war. Let's focus on the 
I'm saying I would like to wear it. Okay, let's just move on. Fine. Anyway, so that was a lot of fun. Um, would recommend. Highly. Highly. I think after that, we just, like, didn't we just watch a bunch of the, like, Matt well, Damon, we, Jimmy well, Kimmel Well, no, we videos? started with the Will Ferrell knife guys. Oh, yes. With Ryan Gosling. And then <laughs> that got us, because that was on Kimmel. And then that was, something came up about, hey, do you know the whole Matt? Because I think your brother was like, I, I've seen some of the Matt Damon thing. So we ended up starting, there's 74 <laughs> clips, we and we only got through 10. Yeah. And... And then it got tiring. It, it was better to see it spaced out because the way we hear about it, it would go months before they would do it. Mm-hmm. To see it all oh, back to back is, it's kind of traumatizing actually. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Well, it was a wild time. Lots of fun. So as we're recording this, we don't know if this is going to be released on our regular day of Wednesday. It right. could be Thursday. We're going to release it this week. So I know when you hear this, it may not matter to you. So we apologize if it was a day delayed and you're like, where was it? And you're, you know, but yeah, it's all his fault. It is because it is my story. And I mean, it's Tuesday right now because the weekend was crazy. We didn't mm-hmm. get back till late yesterday and yeah. we weren't bringing the equipment back and forth, nor would we have time. So it's just a mad rush everywhere, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but yeah, and then we don't know if it'll be a one or two parter, but again, we'll talk about it when we get to my part. Um, <laughs> And the only last thing I want to say is about Liverpool is um, tomorrow, Wednesday, and again, I have no idea when this is released, so on Wednesday, July 22nd, Liverpool will be handed the Premier League trophy because their last home game is on the 22nd, and they play Chelsea. Um, And basically, it it happened. (laughs) So I can't wait to see it. So depending on when you're listening to this, either it's happening while you're listening or it's going to happen or it happened already. <laughs> so champions of England. Yay. I'll just leave it at that. All right. Then shall we get into the stories? Let's do it. Cool. You, you're, of course, true, true crime. All right. Let's hear it. All righty. So my story this week is kind of... Uh, I wanted to do something that was a little bit symbolic of, of the podcast coming to a halt, a pause, uh, if you will. This foreshadowing? No, okay, I'm, I won't be committing any crimes. Okay, just want to make yet. sure. Um, <laughs> and if I were, I would be uh, not not this one. Okay. Um, but when the podcast first started uh, and when I was like listening all the time to And That's Why We Drink, which I still am, but like... When the podcast first started with Sabira and Mattingly, we were listening in our yoga class and we listened to this one episode um, about the person that I'm covering today. Okay. And it, we were like, like it was just so, it made a mark on us for sure. And we talked about it all the time and freaked other people out um, because it was just so insane to us. Huh. Um, and so, so it I is figured, kind of full circle. Maybe this should be the last one, but go ahead. But I have an idea for next week. All right, well, then we won't. Keep going. <laughs> so um, so I decided that since we're, you know, a little, we're taking a pause. Yeah. I might as well cover Go back to the here. roots. I get it. Yeah. So, Sabira and Mattingly, this is dedicated to you. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't know no if you want it to be dedicated they, well, to you. Well, <laughs> it's not again, a great story. Yeah, remember, this doesn't happen without them. So, this is cool. Yeah, of course. So yeah. They started all out. Yeah. So. Uh, my sources are Wikipedia, mm-hmm. uh, all that's interesting. Vice, which is probably like the biggest source that I used. Okay. Uh, the South China Morning Post, which right. none of this takes place in China. So, sorry, no hints there. <laughs> um, Murderpedia and Ranker. All right, the go-to's as always. Yes. Uh, so, it was the fall of 1981 in Paris, France. Uh, The start of a new year at the Sorbonne, a public research university. Rene Hartvelt was one of many students, uh, quickly sucked into a rhythm of studying, writing, uh, and researching with her fellow classmates. Uh, As most students do, uh, Rene started making friends with people in her class. Uh, And eventually, she uh, met a guy who was very impressed by her studying and wanted to get to know her a little bit better. Uh, And so she thought he was just, you know, kind of kind, maybe timid person. Um, And so they started to hang out a little bit. But uh, it turned out that his intentions were a lot darker 
than he let on. Great. So, let's get into some background. Okay. <laughs> the second I say this name, I know. <laughs> that d- doesn't mean that's not true. I feel, but this one's just such a big one. I feel like you're going to know, know it. Okay, well, you ready? Yeah. Issei Sagawa was born on April 26th, 1949, in Kobe, Japan. No. No? Oh. Wow. I thought for sure. You might know it maybe as I talk a little bit about the case. Mm. Yikes, you're in for... Whew. Anyway, uh, <laughs> he was born prematurely, uh, quote, reportedly small enough to fit in the palm of his father's hand. Oh. Very small. Uh, he immediately developed en- enteritis, uh, a disease of the small intestine. Yep. Um, and eventually he recovered, but he was just a very small and kind of weak child. Right. Uh, and in fact, he would only grow to be four foot nine. Okay. Uh, quote, he was always short and skinny with legs that looked like pencils. Okay. Uh, Sagawa reportedly first started having cannibalistic desires in the first grade. Oh my God. When he quote, noticed a male classmate's thighs and thought, Hmm, that looks delicious. Okay. Disgusting. Uh, as a junior high student, uh, Sagawa became obsessed with the Western actress Grace Kelly, okay. uh, who he blames for making him attracted to, quote, tall, healthy-looking Western women uh, in a cannibalistic way. Well, to him, everyone's tall. <laughs> Let's keep going. Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> quote, I guess my infatuation with such women stemmed from the fact that I was short, ugly and had an inferiority complex and therefore sought people who were the exact opposite of myself. Uh-huh. That's from him. Uh, he viewed his craving as a sexual desire and it started growing stronger as he grew older. Okay. At the age of 23, he quote, broke into the Tokyo apartment of a young German woman with the intention of eating a part of her body. Right. Uh, the woman woke up before he could attack her. Luckily, um, and successfully overpowered him because again he's four yeah. nine. Uh, he was arrested for attempted rape, but the charges were dropped because Sagawa's father offered the woman money not to prosecute. Um, and basically, he was like the president of this like huge company. He was like really rich and wealthy and like. Uh, I well understand. Known. I'm just I, I, I get it. I I'm not saying it's good or bad or whatever, but you would think they at least now. There's a record of this. Yes. Okay. Kind of. Um, but I think I I talk about this later. But uh, after he did this, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm gonna talk about it later. But after he did this, he like was evaluated by a psychiatrist, yeah. and his father was like, "I'm just you're not my problem anymore." So he sent him to Paris. Oh well, you know, because that's what you do. Well, I say not my problem, but he was still kind of funding him and everything. Well, I, I understand. He's like, you can't be here. Tarnish the family name in Japan. So go somewhere else so yeah. you don't screw up the family name here. Yeah. So he sent her to Paris to right. study. Um, and Sagawa felt. And is, was he the only kid? No, so... he has a brother. I don't know if he has other siblings, but he has at least one brother. Older or younger? I believe older, okay. but I could be wrong. All right. I didn't actually... Well, I'm just trying to understand how the family... Actually, you might be younger. I don't know. All right. It's a good question. Um, so when he arrived in Paris, Sagawa says that he felt a surge in his cannibalistic desires. Uh, first, he would hire sex workers to his apartment. Um, and while they were in the bathroom, he would take out a gun he had and aim it at the back of their head, his finger on the trigger. But he can never make himself go through with it. Quote... I can't project my fantasies onto somebody who is already personified in my mind. Okay. So he wasn't able to kill so, any of them. But they're aware of, like, or was he... No, they, their they back have, was to They him. have no idea that he they had, had no idea. put a gun to their heads. Well, he was like, he wasn't like right up behind them. When they were in the bathroom. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, they didn't know. Um, it was in Paris that he met Renee who was a Dutch student studying abroad. Uh, She was 25 at the time, and she spoke three languages fluently. 
She intended to get a PhD in French literature. Um, and she was like tall and blonde. So she was like the type yeah. that he had fetishized in his mind. So he tried to befriend her uh, and manipulated her into believing that he wanted her to teach him German. Okay. Uh, he claimed that since his father was incredibly wealthy, he could pay her well. Mm-hmm. Um, so she agreed. She started tutoring him. Uh, she would, I don't know if they went just to his apartment, but like they would go to different places. Yeah. Um, they would talk about all sorts of things together, like Shakespeare, Impressionist paintings, European literature, just everything. Um, Sagawa started writing her love letters. I don't think he he sent them. Right. I think he just keeping, wrote them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he started inviting her out to concerts and exhibits. Um, she would often go with him. And sometimes uh, she would invite him to her apartment for tea. Okay. Um, and on, least, on at least one occasion, they like went out dancing together or something. Um, and Sago claims that increased his fantasies because he like they were so close or whatever. Right. Uh, eventually, he invited her over to dinner. Um, and asked her to, quote, read a poem by his favorite German expressionist. Okay. Um, they had a good time, and when she left, Sagawa decided that he was finally going to play out his fantasy. All right. Uh, he asked her to come over again uh, because he'd bought her a cassette recorder, and he wanted to record her reading the poem. Mm-hmm. Uh, she agreed and met him for dinner once more on June 11th, 1981. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the two had tea, uh, and Sagawa spiked Renee's with whiskey to, quote, make her more pliant. All right. Uh, once he believed the whiskey had taken effect, he confessed his love for her and asked to, quote, take her to bed. Uh, and she told him, she, she rejected him. Right. Uh, she said that she, quote, found him engaging but not sexually attractive and that she only wanted to be his friend. Yep. Which, that's great. <sighs> So he nodded um, and got up to grab the book of poetry. He returned, gave her the book, and started the recorder. And while she read, he came up behind her and shot her with his twenty-two caliber rifle in the neck. Oh, so she's not even dead. Well, she did. I think she did die. I think she died from that. Okay. I Because it, it doesn't actually say, like, when she died, but... I don't know. It, it it suggested that she did okay. die pretty quickly. Okay. I guess. I mean, given what happens afterwards, it's better. Uh, so she fell from her chair, and Sagawa tried to talk to her, um, but obviously she didn't respond. Um, and when he noticed that there was, like, a lot of blood coming from her wound, he tried to clean it up, but he failed, and so he just gave up. Uh-huh. And then, because... He's a disgusting cannibalistic monster. Um, he cut parts of her up and tried to eat them. Um, raw? Some of them he ate raw, and then some of them he tried to cook. Okay. Really, it was like... like He's he, just experimenting, because yeah, this is his was, first time. Yeah, he All was right. pretty much just like seeing what he liked, and like seeing, like based right. on he his curiosity, a, right, exactly. seeing he had what was what. He had an expectation, his, his fantasy, and yeah. now he's trying to... Yeah, I got it. Right. Um... Afterwards, he, quote, took what was left of the corpse into his bed to sleep with it. Oh, my God. And yes, in that way. Okay. Uh, the next day, he decided to eat more of the body because it didn't smell yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then by that, like, late afternoon, uh, Renee's body was starting to attract flies. Um, oh, my God. So Sagawa decided to dismember the rest of her body with a hatchet and store it in multiple bags, which he put into two suitcases. Um, and by that time, by the time he like packed them all up, it was like midnight. Was the recorder on the whole time? No, I think I think he shut it off probably like after he shot her because I I haven't found anything about like there being a recording okay. or anything. So right. I don't know. I don't even know if he actually did start the recording. Like he just had it there. Okay, right. Um. So he left his apartment. And called a cab to the Bois de Boulogne, uh, which is, you know, some, like, local woods. Uh, and he entered this, like, park area in there, uh, lugging the suitcases behind him. Uh, he intended to shove them into, like, a pond that was in that park. Um, but he noticed that there were a couple people that were, like, watching him, um, that were, like, looking at him. 
Uh, and so he panicked and he abandoned the suitcases and fled. Hmm. Uh, reportedly, a couple approached the suitcases and noticed a, quote, female hand protruding from one of the bloodstained cases. Oh, my God. So they called the police. Yeah. Um, cops opened the suitcases to find Renee's remains uh, and started tracking the bags back to Sagawa. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, he was back in his apartment where he had stored more of Renee's body in his fridge. Oh, my God. Um, and for the next, like, two days, he would just, like, continue to eat. So it took him two days to find the owner of the suitcases. Well, I think they also had to get a warrant. I don't know. It said, okay, like, it took them enough. two days to, like, All get right. and serve the warrant. All right. Um, so, yeah, my, it must have taken them that much time. Um, so for those two days, he would... Yeah. Uh, police found Sagawa at his apartment two days after um, discovering the suitcases and immediately saw all yeah. the evidence for themselves. Right. Um, inside the refrigerator, they found multiple female body parts, uh, and there was blood all around the apartment. Um, they arrested Sagawa, and he confessed, like, right off the bat. I was going to ask that. And I was gonna, yeah, okay. Yeah, he was like, yeah, I did it. But he made sure to inform them. Um, of his history with mental illness as well, um, you know, and was like went in great detail with his mental illness past, uh, which could be true, but whatever. Um, well, so, he has some mental illness because this isn't normal. So yeah, absolutely. So he remembered that when he broke into that woman's apartment back in Japan. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of like, I guess it was still on his record, but again, like it wasn't really nobody really thought anything well, of it. Well, he's in a different country now, so I, right. I, I yeah. Get so um so he he was sent to a psychiatrist um and there as a psychiatrist he confessed his fantasies and this is this is still back in japan before any of this happened he confessed his fantasies um and the psychiatrist noted that sagawa was quote highly dangerous okay so the father the father managed to cover it up suppressed all that and sent his son to france so the father knew father knew that he was a danger Mm mm-hmm Okay. Don't worry. It gets worse. Uh, so a French judge deemed Sagawa mentally unfit to stand trial. Uh, and so he was sentenced to indefinite incarceration at the Paul Girard Asylum. Okay. Um, three psychiatrists there evaluated them, and all of them said that they believed he would never be cured. Okay. Uh, quote, while in the hospital, Sagawa corresponded with several members of the Japanese literati, I don't know what that means, um, who sent him books about other cannibals. Quote, I realized I was not so unusual, was his comment. He also said that he'd learned how to go about such a crime without getting arrested. Okay. Um, then Sagawa's father intervenes again. And works out a deal with French authorities to have his son transferred to a psychiatric hospital in Japan. Um, there, he was evaluated and determined to be sane. You've got to be kidding. So authorities uh, wanted to send him to prison. And I don't know if he actually was sent to prison, but either in prison or in the hospital, he spent 15 months before he was released. Um, because again, his father is super rich and influential. You've got to be kidding. So Sagawa was officially released in August of 1985, less than five years after brutally murdering and eating Renee. Of course, it just gets worse than that. There's more. Um, somehow Sagawa, Sagawa was granted a passport to Germany, which I, he's still in Japan right now. Um, but like, I think that uh, he just uh, managed uh, to get one. I don't know how. Uh, yeah. Um, he was launched to celebrity status. Uh, he started doing interviews and talk shows. He wrote four novels, um, and I believe he tried to write comic books as well. Uh, one of the novels was specifically about the murder. Um, and, and he it, profited on all this. It sold 200,000 copies. Um, he also appeared in four Japanese porn films, um, at least one of which was like, cannibalism based oh my god um quote the public has made me the godfather of cannibalism he stated and i'm happy about that uh he's also appeared on numerous cooking shows um oh my god. where he's eaten raw meat okay on the show right. 
um, in a magazine article, he says that he now envisions himself uh, being eaten by a young Western woman because he insists um, only an act like that will save him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also would like to die by, quote, drowning in female saliva. He thinks that's the, the way that he would uh, ideally uh, want to go out. All right. Uh, he has an interview with Vice, um, which I use like parts of the transcript um, as a source, but there's yep. like a, a video interview. Um, but he doesn't deserve, uh, honestly, like your attention. So I recommend just like not giving him the light of day. But there's a lot more detail in the interview. It's really gross. Um, but I do have uh, one last thing to say about this piece of human garbage. So now he is taken care of by his brother. Um, and he's, I think he's like 71 now. Uh, and in his old age, he has, quote, undergone a gastronomy and can no longer eat. <laughs> he, uh, he has to be fed through a tube now. Uh, and hopefully, I mean, hopefully he won't be able to run for much longer. But I just thought it's just such a great part of like karma. Like this is just the beginning he just, he can't eat anymore. I cannot believe he's been out of oh, yeah. a penitentiary mm-hmm. for the, all this time. But I hear your karma side of things, but oh my God. Oh yeah. I mean, that's just like a very, it doesn't no, make I, up for any of it, I but it's believe, just like. Uh, yeah. No, I hear what you're saying. It's a good note still, to, to end on, I think. But yeah, he is a disgusting, horrible person. That's all I have to say. And that's the story of this Sackle. Yeah. No, I don't know that particular one. Again, I, don't, I probably just don't, I don't think I ever really read about that. Like I wasn't, most of my true crime is not serial, I mean, cannibalists, you know. Cannibalists. Yeah. I'm, I stick with the, uh, you lector. know, just your average just serial lector. killer. I mean, that's the, the fiction, I guess. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, all right then. Well, yeah, I am still kind of mad. It's really angering, but you know what? The day he dies, I will celebrate. All righty then. Well. Um, okay. Well, here we go then. Oh my God. (laughs) All right. So I'm doing an in-between and, uh, this is a combination of two different stories that I had found just during my research. And, um, so it's, there's a paranormal component. There's an urban legend component. Um, I'm going to have it take place in Alabama I mean, it could really take place anywhere, but there's a, I, I, there's a reason I chose Alabama. Okay. 1979, we're, we're hitting that, and then, you know, it t- turns into 80. Okay. Um, so the, I do have some sources that I want to just, that started this, and um, the one source is, uh, well, I should get back. The reason I also didn't just use either one stories, they were, they were in themselves very spooky, but very short, so... It just wasn't going to fill a, the podcast. Um, so the one source is, there was a collection of stories, and the site is, um, it's now defunct, uh, awl.com. I don't know what it stands for, but. A-W-L? Yeah, it's called I the A-W-L. But I, I don't know what it's. The owl. But um, the collection was called I Met a Ghost, and it was <laughs> five stories of these authors telling like a true Story, like to them, you know, what happened. So, like something that they experienced? Yeah. So, the one that I Creepy. found that was, again, the inspira- one of the inspirations was by a guy named Brent Cox. And it's a good story. It's a really good story. Um, then the other source was in Week and Weird. Okay. And mm-hmm. they had a collection, again, of a particular genre of spooky story. <laughs> so, I was going through that and I found this story and I was like, wow, this is really crazy and the whole, the way they do the urban legend it's like okay this is something um so this is going to be an original tale that is inspired by both so for the listeners i'm still finishing it right so <laughs> but we have like a time deadline type of thing so that's why we just started recording it so depending on how this goes we may just stop at a good point and it'll be a two-parter right or we're just going to keep going i'm kind of going to go by your reaction Emma, <laughs> on how this is if you want me to keep going and then we'll figure it out so we may just cut at some point and just say oh and part two next week or um 
I'll we'll do what I have and then I'll finish it up and then we'll re finish recording that yeah. part. So this is pretty much how we do things here. And oh yeah. <laughs> and so here we go. All right. I'm ready. So it was a Tuesday. Oh boy, already all right off the bat. But not a normal Tuesday. Sam was starting school in a new town, actually a new state. Her dad had just had gotten this great opportunity for work and you know some sort of secret project or that's what sam would thought in her head or wanted to believe she would have started school on monday but there was an incident when they moved Ooh. the movers wouldn't unload the truck when they arrived apparently they hadn't seen an indian before or in their words a terrorist oh my. this was 1979 alabama and the u.s embassy hostage situation was all over the news Oh, that's the event you were talking about. Sam's dad pleaded with the men, but they didn't budge. He called the police. They made some excuse about, this is not an emergency. And in the end, her dad had to exchange some of his wife's jewelry just to get their own stuff off the truck. Oh, my God. She remembers her dad speaking with his boss and then the muffled conversation of her mother wanting to go back home and not where they just left, but back to India. Mm-hmm. Sam was almost 14 and just went up to her empty new room that was just full of boxes that they had to pay for with their own money. Right. So she wanted to leave too, but no way was she going to go to India. She was born here. She wasn't. This was home. Mm -hmm. She made a makeshift bed with her blankets and tried to sleep, but she didn't sleep that night. So on this Tuesday morning, she went to school. Mm. She walked to the end of the driveway and waited for the bus. When she got on the bus, she felt all of the eyes of the... Of Alabama. <laughs> on her, right? She found an empty seat, put her bag on her lap, and grabbed it as tight as she could and just stared out the window. Right. She was nervous about the first day, and it was pretty much everything she expected. There's too many white people at that school, I'm going to assume. <laughs> she went to homeroom, and the teacher introduced her to the class. Uh, please welcome um, Sam Ara Delon. <laughs> Sam tried to correct her. It's Samara. The teacher butchered it again. And Sam just said, just call me Sam. Oh my God. The students all snickered. And again, she felt their eyes. The day went on. She spent most of it alone. This went on for the week. Of course. She could overhear students talk about the lonely terrorist. Oh my God. Sam finally was in the crosshairs of the popular group, too. They started Ooh. nicely by just sitting with her at lunch. Sam could see that they were led by Ashley. And Ashley gave her the third degree, and in the most patronizing way she could. Great. Where are you from? She said, New Jersey. She said, no, 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 I mean, where are you from? Oh, my God. She said her parents are from India, and Ashley said, is that close to Iran? Sam just rolled her eyes. She couldn't wait to get back to class. <laughs> well, during that class, it was history. Another student, Lauren, slipped her a note. It read, you want to stay away from Ashley and the crew. <laughs> Sam didn't need to be told, but she was happy someone was looking out for her. Yay. She said, thanks for the tip. And she said in this note as well, she got that vibe. But that began, began a relationship that went from zero to 60. They just became, became best of friends. Yay. So they hung out, mostly at Lauren's house, which wasn't too far from Sam's house. But she needed to walk through a cemetery to get home. Oh, this caused her not to stay long most of the time because she didn't want to travel near dusk or near dark. So she had asked her dad for a bike, but her dad was just making ends meet at the time mm -hmm. and really couldn't afford it. So Lauren offered Sam her old bike. And That's so sweet. Fi Sam finally, you know, at first was like, no, 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 but she accepted and it was tiny, you know, so she definitely already stood out, but this made her look kind of like the clown car type of thing because, you know, her knees are pointing out where it's <laughs> trying to bike to go. But it allowed her to stay a lot longer at Lauren's house, and she clocked it, took her about 10 minutes now to just bike home. Nice. Now, Lauren always felt bad that Sam was always coming to her house, and she always offered, like, look, I'm happy to, you know, hang at your place. Mm -hmm. Again, Sam wouldn't allow it. She was afraid about or was more afraid of how Lauren would react to seeing her parents alter to all these Hindu gods and goddesses. Right. So everything was going smoothly, and Sam started to gain more friends, um, but Lauren was her bestie. 
Good. So one day, at the you know it's coming to the end of the school year, Sam and Lauren were invited to you know the it party. All right. Oh yes, the it party exactly. in Alabama. <laughs> and you know they were kind of hesitant, but a bunch of their friends were going, and you know they're like, well, if we should be fine, you know, where she's now made herself known, you know, she's kind of getting along with everyone. But the party, of course, was hosted by Ashley mm-hmm. and her crew. Of course. And it was decided that Ashley was going to hold a seance at this party. Of course. Of course. This is going to go so well for them. And everyone did what Ashley said. And it wasn't everyone at the party. She was going to select the people who would be involved. Oh, my God. Somebody needs to punch Ashley in the face. So she decided that Lauren would be in this. Sam was going to be in it. And then the three other friends, Chad, Kyle, and Caitlin. <laughs> Again, they hesitated, but Sam had a slight crush on Kyle. So that's when the penny dropped, though. This seance wasn't going to be at the house. It was going to be at a playground in a cemetery. In a playground in a cemetery? Yes. Um, actually, they're the same thing. So Sam now is doubly spooked. She had no interest in going to that cemetery at night. She already was afraid, biking mm-hmm. away from it. And second, she's like... Why is there a playground in a cemetery? Yeah, exactly. See? So she balked on going. And when Ashley saw her fear, she just upped the ante. Oh, my God. Ashley didn't push the seance anymore. She just said, I'm going to focus this energy on this urban legend about the cemetery. Of course, Ashley's like, I didn't realize you didn't know about this. Of course you don't. I mean, you just moved here. Oh, you just moved here. (laughs) So Sam now is kind of relieved that they're no longer going to be going to the cemetery and having this seance. But Is this the one that's near her house? Yes. But she's intrigued about the playground. Mm. So. Girl, don't she, do it because <laughs> now you're going to have to walk past it for the rest of the time you live there. Well, her family is superstitious. You know, they believe, you know, they're Hindus, this and that. So they have this belief in both the gods, but as well as science. So it's not this, you know, everything comes from higher power, but there is this blend, right? Mm-hmm. So she's game. You know, she's inquisitive, curious. Let me hear. So That's Ashley relatable. takes that group and goes into the dining room, and they all sit down to listen to Ashley's story. So she starts off that the cemetery itself is oddly designed. Well, okay. yeah, there's a playground in it. <laughs> Think of it this way, if you can picture it. The boundaries are along ellipsis. Almost think of it as an eye. Mm-hmm. So it's narrow on the ends. Right. And there's like some width in the middle. So it's that kind of shape. Right? Okay. And that largest point, they believe, you know, maybe it's 100 yards from the, the widest area. Right? Now... Over time, that area has been filled with trees and just thickets of bush, everything. It's just been unkempt because no one's really been taking care of the cemetery. Mm-hmm. And the way the cemetery is set, on one end it's is where most of the tombstones are, and then it just gets thickened. So think of it if you're looking at your eye, the bottom part of your eye mm-hmm. is where you see the cemetery, and then above it, is oh, all... you meant an eyeball. Oh, sorry, not the letter I thought you meant I. the letter I. I apologize. When I meant ellipsis, <laughs> I meant... Sorry, I, I, my mistake. I apologize for everyone. I'll have you, like, draw it so that we can post it on our Instagram. Well, I said the word ellipsis, so I thought... Yeah, but then you were like, well, actually, imagine an I. And then I assumed you just meant the letter, and you were re... You were fixing your statement. Well, even there now, I'm not even sure if I'm using the right words, so... Because I'm just thinking that it's an ellipse... I don't know if an ellipse... Isn't an ellipsis the dot, dot, dot? That's what I was thinking. So I want to say an ellipse. So I, it's my fault. So it's an ellipse. What, what even is an ellipse? It's a, That's the circle, the, but like it's a stretched oval? out. Yeah, an oval. I should have used just, the word just oval. Just say oval. It's an oval. <laughs> so it's an oval, but shaped like an eyeball. There we go. <laughs> or, you know. So, um, but again, think about it that way. The bottom part is where the cemetery is and then it's just full of brush up top and around the other up boundary so one boundary is where she bikes every day where she sees these tombstones and then mm-hmm. the other boundary you know she just looks like it's going into a forest all right so if you go further past the tombstones and then start going into the thicket when you get to the center mm-hmm. of this oval 
the iris, the pupil. The pupil. The pupil. Is where the cemetery is. I mean, the playground is. The playground. Yeah. Wow. That's just the perfect place to build a playground. So she explains that no one is exactly sure who built the playground. Someone who clearly didn't know that gravestones can be used as a playground already, as is apparent from my preschool well, <laughs> experiences. <laughs> it, it, let's, let's say it this way. They're, they're not even sure who built it, right? So mm-hmm. it's... I should, actually, I just said that, but they don't know when, I should say, it was built. Um, but for some reason, everyone just knows it's coexisted with the cemetery. Now, of course... People go to the playground because... Hopefully not to play. Well, let's put it this way. They go because there's a story behind it or there's... Well, this is what everybody experiences. Okay. The first thing they notice when they get into this clearing is silence. No crickets, no wind, no breeze, birds, nothing. Red flag. And they also remember... While they're walking through, they can hear those sounds. So it's not as if it's just dead sounds entering the forest. There's just sounds of the forest. Mm-hmm. It just like stops. And it stops when you get to the clearing. Then you'll notice the swings are moving. Sometimes when you enter, sometimes when you're just there, they'll Even be stopped. Even though there's no wind. They'll start to move as if somebody's playing on the Red swing. Red flag number two. It's also 10 degrees colder. Number three. By this time... You're pretty freaked out, and you decide to leave. Is this all times, day and night? Yeah. So, since we're in a heat wave right now, if you just, like, went to this area. You could. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Keep if that's cool. what you need to do, sure. Yeah, I think that this is a great idea. <laughs> so, when you do see the swings start to buckle, mm-hmm. you know that something has jumped off. Red flag number four. That's when you start to quicken your pace, but a heaviness will cover you, comes over you, basically. It's a sadness. And then you think you hear sobbing or whimpering or crying. So Sam's eyes now are just watering. The adrenaline's there. Right. And she has this trance. She's just listening to every word of Ashley's story. And Ashley notices that. And she just keeps continuing. And she goes, they have a name for it, you know. The Dead Children's Playground. Wait, that's a real thing. I, oh, got it, got it, got it, got it. So Sam broke her trance and silence when she said, ah, the children in the cemetery, they come out to play. Ashley let out a sarcastic laugh and said, well, not exactly. Bro, she could have had so much fun with this. Like, Sam could have been like, oh, yeah, my like, I, I've met them. Like, they're so cool. Like, she could have totally, oh, my God, she could have turned it around on her. <laughs> when I, so Ashley goes on. She goes, you know, when I say that no one knows when it was built, that's not completely true. Let's say we knew when it was discovered. And that was about maybe 10, 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. You see, there's more to this area the cemetery, and the playground. Sam once again gave her full attention to Ashley. Lauren piped in and said, Ashley, enough. We're not getting into the urban legends. Ashley said, look, your urban legend is another person's truth. Okay, Ashley. So Sam told Lauren she didn't want to hear it, um, or she wanted to hear it, I should say. And Lauren said, look, you will never leave your house again. Let's go. I don't... I don't need to hear anymore. I know the story. Are you coming? And Sam said, I'll catch up with you when, when we're done. No. No, so Lauren, you never leave your friend at a party. Lauren sighed and said, fine, I'm going to be out here. Just don't leave the party. Oh. You do your thing, but, you know, it's on you. Well, I mean, she's not wrong. <laughs> so Ashley has the floor again, or the table, or the mic, whatever you want to call it. And... She says, before we were rudely interrupted, let me tell you the story. In the late 60s, there were a rash of child abductions around the area. Yikes. Not all in our town, but it seemed that the cemetery was equidistant to all of the missing children. And this led authorities to think someone or something was living in the woods. Hmm. 
a dozen kids went missing, and their bodies were never found. The time frame was over three years, with four kids going missing each year. Mm. And the weird thing is, each kid disappeared in a different month. I don't know if this makes sense, but I'll try to explain a little bit more. So it was random at first. So in the first year, it was January, then May, then July, then December. And then the next year, it was February, and then April, and then September, and then October. Mm-hmm. And then the third year, it was the rest, the other month. So one child per month in some year. Right. When authorities basically start to piece all the stuff together, because it was coming around from other areas and things like that, kind of, I think, within the county. Um, and again, no one's talking to each other at this point, everything mm-hmm. else. Um, they decide to search the cemetery. And all they found was clothing. Right. No bodies. Lovely. So... Ashley goes on to say, it's believed that it's those children playing in this playground. Hmm. She goes, if you look at the cemetery itself, there are not many children buried there. Not saying they couldn't be, but it's hardly any children. I mean, that's a lot of kids for one playground. (laughs) Now, the other scary part of this whole thing is that the ages of the kids range from 3 to 14. Whoa. And it's a different age. So it's 3, 4, 5, 6 to 14. So the leads that came out were their escapees from an asylum. Some spoke that it was the actual original caretaker from the, the cemetery. Of course. Others said it was a teacher or professor that was here from the local college because it stopped after th- three mm-hmm. years and every month had a child. But whoever it is, we don't know. And the other part is we don't know if he's still out there or she or whatever and we're just waiting that it might just start all over again. Ooh. That last statement sent a chill down Sam's spine. As it should. And before she could come to her senses, Ashley had pulled out the Ouija board. Oh, come on. She said, now, let's see if we can talk to one of them. Not now, Ashley. Sam wanted no part of this. You know, her mom had warned her about meddling with the unknown and the darkness. Yes. But it was too late. Wait, just leave. <laughs> Kyle was convincing her to stay. Not to worry about it. Girl. And she should have trusted her better judgment, but she went with it. So everybody's hands are on the planchette. And Ashley's leading. Mm-hmm. She asks about the lost children, if anyone would like to speak to them. She told them that they would help them find justice. She promised Girl. that they would find their killer. Kyle told her to stop saying things that don't say things you can't guarantee. Yeah, exactly. Caitlin seconded it. Sam did too. Chad just called them all wusses. Yep, sounds like a Chad thing to do. (laughs) And then the planchette moved. Yikes. It startled them all, and Kyle told Ashley, just quit it. You're really, you know, enough's enough. But Ashley was just as startled as everyone else, and she looked frightened herself. Mm -hmm. Then it started to move. First letter, J. Oh, boy. Next, it moved to an A. January. And then it moved to a C. Oh. And then Ashley is asked, is your name Jack? The planchette went to K, then to a Y, and then to an N. Chad's like, Jackine? (laughs) And when he did, the power to the house went out. Oh, my God. Everyone screamed. Of course. Lauren rushed into the room to find Sam. And then just as they went out, the lights were back on. Hmm. Ashley's parents had made their way downstairs to figure out what was going on, what was do- who was doing what, and, you know. The parents were home for this party? It's their 14-year-olds. What do you think's going on? I forgot they were 14. <laughs> so in the front of them, the board was snapped in two. Mm, and the planchette that's so bad. is shattered. That's so bad. Her parents, puzzled, get into inter- like in a interrogation mode, like, Who's playing with the fuse box? Like, this isn't funny, you know. My God, call the church. Call the church. And that was pretty much enough for everyone because they didn't know exactly what was going on in the dining room, but, you know, the parents are like, look, enough's enough. Everybody (laughs) out. (laughs) Lauren, of course, grabbed Sam, and they bolted out of the house. You know, Ashley and her crew were still kind of in shock, but they're not arguing nor stopping the parents from ending the party. Mm Mm-hmm. So when Lauren and Sam get outside and they're out of earshot, 
Lauren asked Sam what happened, like what was going on in there. Right. And Sam explained the whole story about the abducted kids, the urban legend thing and everything. And the Ouija board came out. And of course, Lauren's like, what? (laughs) Thank you, Lauren. And she tells a story about they spell out that something was trying to communicate with them. And the name was J-A-C-K-Y-N. And Lauren was, you know, she's angry at the crew, Mm -hmm. but she can see that Sam is scared, you know, stiff. Right. And she's like, look, she's just trying to calm her down, trying to comfort her. And she's like, look, let's not worry about it. Let's not think about it. Um, let's just go. And of course, Sam's like going, is it Jackie? Is it Jacqueline? Is it Jocelyn? Like, what is this name? And Lauren said, look, let's forget about it. <laughs> You're staying over, right? You're staying over my place tonight. Good and she's idea. like, she's like, yeah, I mean, I, I'm glad I am just because this is crazy. Right. Um, so she nods. Yes. And, as they're getting ready to get on their bikes, you know, Sam forgets that they actually have to bike by the cemetery. No. But they're biking on the... Um, Just the, take the long way. The top side, not the... Yeah, oh, the top side, right, right? okay. So as they're biking to Lauren's, Lauren's in front, you know, because again, Sam's in this little, you know, clown bike. And Lauren notices that an opening has happened in the thicket in the brush. No. In the area. No. So she's just kind of like, that's really weird. I've never seen that before. I don't understand. So, you know, she just kind of like doesn't want to pay attention to it nor pay, make any point to Sam. So she just keeps biking past. Oh, no. And as she's biking, she stops because she doesn't see feel like Sam's right behind her. And she turns around and she sees that Sam had stopped biking. And she's now at the opening, getting off her bike no. and walking down the path. Are you an idiot? Lauren can't believe her eyes. And she jumps off her bike, running towards Sam. And she's yelling at him. Like, she's yelling, Sam, are you crazy? Yeah. Sam, Sam. And then finally she's like, Samara. And that's it. Sam finally stops, kind of confused. Oh, my God. And Lauren grabs her arm and says, what are you doing? What else happened during that seance? What are you drinking? Like, were you guys yeah, taking? Like- what is, you know, this is not normal. And don't lie to me. You know, Sam nervously laughs and just kind of at the whole suggestion about it all and just says, I I don't know what happened here. I I just felt this pull. Yikes. It wasn't anything sinister, but it felt like I needed to help. So Lauren said... That's how they get you. (laughs) Lauren said, you were heading right down this path to the playground and a path that has never existed before. So I, I... that means get out of there now. It, it looks fresh to me. So Sam looked at Lauren and just said, can we just watch some TV and then go to bed? And Lauren laughed and said, well, I don't think there'll be much on tonight. Maybe we'll watch a Tonight Show or there'll be some crazy religious broadcast that we can find or we'll just watch <laughs> bars. But, you know, sure, let's go. And as they turned their backs and headed back out of down the path, I mean, they didn't go too deep in. They heard squeaky sounds of a swing. And then the sudden rattling of chains as if something violent had just happened. They ran and biked straight away without looking back. Jesus. So they sleep over, you know, Sam's there. It's Saturday morning. Right. She's like, I got to go home, you know. So Mm -hmm. gets on her bike, makes her way home. And Lauren's like, look, I'll bike with you. If you want me to, I, I'm happy to just get you there and back. And Sam's like, look, it's morning, daylight. I'll be fine. Um, and when she gets home, her mother and father are sitting at the kitchen table. <laughs> this didn't look good to Sam. And she hesitated. They know. They know she used the Ouija board. <laughs> she hesitated and was just thinking, maybe I should go back out the door and bike back to Lauren's. Oh, my God. Her mom asks her to sit down. And then just started questioning. Where were you last night? And Sam's like, at Ashley's party with Lauren. You know, and I slept over Lauren's. Mom, you know, we discussed this. This is, mm-hmm. this right? is the news. We, we were fine. And her mom's like, yeah, yeah, no, I, I know that. But I didn't say you could traipse around all night hanging out at the cemetery. Ooh. Sam stood still and just felt ill. What are you talking about, Mom? I didn't hang out there. I back, I biked past it on the way to Lauren's. Right. And then at that moment, her father just hands her a piece of paper. <gasps> Sam opens it 
and now is even more confused. Looks at her parents. What is this? Her mother just jumps in again. What is this? I'm not doing the Indian accent. Come on. No. Come on. No, because it's rude. Um, but you're Indian. That's fine. So she says, the mother. <laughs> Come on. This is the number of the boy that called last night. Late at night. The phone wouldn't stop ringing. <laughs> so finally, your father answered. It's enough. Oh, um, come on. That was wonderful. <laughs> the line was staticky, but the caller asked for you. Hmm. At first, you know, your dad thought it was the wrong number. And he kept, the person kept asking, you know, if Sam was there, if Sam was there. And your father kept saying, there is no Sam here. <laughs> the caller then said, can you tell Samara Ew. to call me? Ew. I didn't get time to speak with her at the party, and I missed her at the cemetery. Ew. I told your father to hang up, but your father thought, it might be the boy you like. So he wrote down the number. <laughs> Sam's mind races back to the party and thinks about the cemetery as well. She took back the note, and there was a number and a name. Jack. All right, so this might be... Actually, if that you're way. hearing this... Yeah, exactly. If you're hearing this, then we decided to break this up and make this... Two parts. Two parts, and this was part one. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm sorry if it's too much of a cliffhanger and you're going to have to listen to next week, but it is what it is. It is what it is. So... If it is, though, if it is a part, two-parter, um, I'll have you go first next week so that we can have it more fluid and flowing. It's fine. It's fine. Okay, we'll, we'll figure People it out from there. People want it to flow, Anish. Fair. Okay, all right. Well, then, if this is the end of part one, let's hear the fun facts, huh? Yeah. Okay. So, it was part one. <laughs> it was. <laughs> um, and before we get to the fun facts, I just want to say, since you're doing a two-parter now, does this mean that I have to do a true crime next week? No, no. I don't think so. Okay. Okay. Because you had something you really yeah. wanted to do, so you if, should just do it. If that story doesn't pan out, then I'll do true crime. But, okay. yeah, but sure. I, it should. I, I'm excited. About no, it. I think we'll, it's fine. We'll see. We'll see. And just so everybody <laughs> knows, I after we had recorded the first part, I still had to write more, <laughs> and I ended up writing, I think, another. Oh, I can't remember. Four more pages or something. Yeah, four pages. I did at Krisha's soccer training, whatever you want to call it. But um, so yeah, so um, we were debating on recording part two anyway, right now, and then yeah. just then releasing next week but we've decided that we're everyone's going to be suspense emma as well and we're going to record uh, yeah. next week you keep like dropping in you're like i'm so excited to tell you the story you're gonna love this story and yeah now i'm, I'm setting expectations and it's gonna suck okay i'll just pretend that it's gonna be terrible all right well let's go to the fun fact then okay um so i brought back that list of like literature fun facts that we used a while yeah, back yeah. um just because it was such a cool list so fair uh, I forgot the website, but I can bring it up later. Okay. Number one. Uh, American playwright Eugene O'Neill was born in a hotel room in New York and died in a hotel room in Boston. His famous last words were, quote, I knew it. I knew it. Born in a hotel room and, God damn it, died in a hotel room. I did not know that. <laughs> I thought he was going to make fun of Boston or something, but okay. I mean, it's not hard. <laughs> But I think that's a really great, like, last words. I feel like if you're going to, if you know you're dying, like, yeah, well, you got to yeah. make them good. Yeah, well, legacy. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what your last words are going to be, or what you want them to be? Mm, no, I haven't thought about it. Maybe you should get on that. Yeah, I mean, it's probably coming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You still have to make your death playlist for when we turn you into I think I'm just going to be like, eh. Wow, that's so boring. Yeah, but, you know. Well, keep thinking. Mm-hmm. We we can workshop it. <laughs> well, you know, I just need inspiration, like, you know, these stories. Anyway, uh, number two, uh, Edgar Allan Poe thought of having an owl, quote, nevermore in his famous poem, The Raven. Uh, some letters indicate Poe was even considering using a parrot. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Say that again. He first thought of using an owl yeah. instead of a raven and then a parrot. Yeah. 
Thankfully for American literature, Poe decided the raven was, quote, indefinitely more in keeping with the intended tone of his poem. I mean, I could see the owl. Yeah, owls can be omens. If it was called the owl. Right, yeah. Cause like, the parrot? All I can think of is like the Monty Python of... sketch. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> the owl parrot does not like, strike like fear. Being watched or something. Like, that one makes sense. Parrot? Yeah, but it would just I think parrot whatever else was saying. Quote the parrot, nevermore. I <laughs> shall. <laughs> Quote the parrot. Yeah, no. no I no. want a cracker. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Come on. Move on, man. Okay. Um, um, number three, uh, Slaughterhouse-Five author Kurt Vonnegut was a huge fan of Cheers, which is why I brought this up yesterday. Ah. Uh, Vonnegut was... He was on Cheers. He was? Yeah. I think he actually oh. made it, uh, an appearance. Probably because he loved it so much. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he once told reporters he would have rather written scripts for this TV show than all of his best-selling novels. Have you read any Vonnegut? You did. Have, no. Nope. I want to. You've, I haven't. He he wrote Fahrenheit 451. No, that's Ray Bradbury. That's right. Ray but Bradbury? I didn't read that either. What's, wait, then what's the other one? I know Slaughterhouse Five, but there's another big one. Uh, Hold on. I don't remember. Well, with the tool of Google at our hands, ah, yeah, fine. We can find out pretty quickly. Uh, let's see. Cat's Cradle, Breakfast of Champions. Breakfast Parasite. of Champions. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Look at that. The power of the internet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So those are my fun facts. And actually, I can, I think I can bring up the website right now. It's called the mm, booksonthewall.com. Okay, cool. So check that out. 150 interesting facts about our favorite authors. So you pick your song. Yes, I'm going to go with uh, Heat of the Moment and, by Asia. And I just, wait, yeah, I went with Where Do the Children Play? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A song that I did not know. Yeah, and it has mo- a lot more in the second part. Oh, boy. Yeah. yeah. Did the song kind of help you take a No, path? because I, I, you know, I was originally going to go with Blondie, Call Me, um, which also has a lot more to do with the second part. But, um, well, and yeah, then, we only, we ended with like one phone call. Right, right. But um, I decided then, uh, and that actually going back to the story, or actually I was thinking about this too, is that remember we were talking about what was intriguing? I just thought about, um, well, actually, I have to do that for part two because I'll give away things. Oh my God. So, but you anyway. I remember it. But yeah, but the, um, I started just thinking of songs with word playground or play or mm. that kind of thing. And then all of a sudden, like, oh, I need something with uh, children. And there's a great Clapton song called Motherless Children, but that doesn't fit this. But uh, I was like, oh, yeah. And then I was like, oh, my God, where are the children playing? It's perfect. <laughs> and and I, forgot, I, just, I hadn't heard it in a while. But it's, you know, it's classic Cat Stevens. So um, I think it's a good addition to the soundtrack. Uh, uh, I was just soundtrack. thinking, I think if I end up going with that story for next week, I might actually have a song for that right now. Oh, good. All right, so cool. Hold we'll up. see. Right. We'll see how it all plays out. That is, yeah. So. Um, but, yeah. Hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, and is next episode our last one? I don't know. Depends. I mean, we're playing it by it ear. It may or may not be our last Yeah, I mean, we may be on vacation while. in August, too, so we may bring our equipment mm-hmm. for that part. So we'll see. Yeah. But, well, why don't you do the email? We have an email. She'll tell you what the email is. Yeah. I just tell her what the email is. It's everything in podcast at gmail.com. Yeah? Yeah, you want to do so, the rest of it? No, I'm not. I'm just going to do it my way. Uh, yeah, I'll do it, right? Okay. You everything in podcast at gmail.com. Email us there, all right? With? Or with story whatever i mean hey just email us i mean it, that's fine i mean you know a farewell of what you what you thought <laughs> things like that um and then there's an instagram i actually don't remember our instagram tag what is it everything in podcast okay so there you go there's instagram you can hey like what's in there you know if you want to dm us in that too go for it i mean it's awesome it's really good i actually do the art emma may remember to put it up i have no idea but she's gonna you know, yeah yeah whatever. time isn't real so i doesn't... take a lot of time yeah, trying to get it's great the, art, so I try yeah. to post it. Again and I don't if it's late. create the art. I'm using other folks and mixing things. I have this, you know, I have a catalog of His stuff. His nerd software. Absolutely. Um, then there's a Facebook. No one uses Facebook, so don't. What I the, know. So no, I don't I even know. know why we say it. So again, I'm not even, and I hate Facebook. Me I know too. Instagram is owned by Facebook. My, now I'm getting on a rant. All right. So next, what else? What Twitter. Twitter. Okay. Twitter. Well, Twitter's a cesspool as well. I mean, like, I mean, <laughs> oh if you're going to, if you're going to, I mean, come on, it's depressing to like read things on there, but it, there are good things on there too. So I'll give it, you know, 50, not even 50, 50, but yeah, you can see us on Twitter. What is our, what is it on Twitter? 
at between underscore podcast. I mean, how are we supposed to remember all these things? I mean, I'm old. Anish. Okay, and now what else do we have? What am I missing? Uh, our website. Oh, no one goes to the website. I have an. It's a weebly it thing. There's a, there's a, <laughs> yeah, so okay, I'm not even forget it. We're moving on. So what we really need you to do is like us on on whatever wherever you listen to us. You know, Apple is great because that's kind of the prime Can't place. Like a podcast, you have to rate, review, and subscribe. Rate, review, subscribe. Give us the thumbs up. Whatever it is, give us five stars. You know, you know it is. If you want to write a review, that's really cool. But you can do that for all other platforms as well. So if you want to do it on multiple platforms. That's awesome. I know we're coming to the pause part, but hey, you know what? Who knows? If other people go back and say, oh my God, there's this treasure trove of 93 episodes. So yeah, so that's that. What else? Oh, that you want to listen to the yeah, songs? there we go. Go to the soundtrack in between. And it would be great. On? It's on Spotify. It would be awesome if actually there was a description explaining the soundtrack in between. I don't oh, know. Jesus I've been asking Christ. only for, let's see, 93 episodes. I'll I came do it in episode right now. nine. I'll do it right now. Episode nine. 93. You did not ask me at episode 9 okay. to do that. Episode 25, whatever it, it is. Was way it's after at least that. 60 episodes oh my, since a it's niche. been on there. So, great tunes. You should enjoy. I, I really think you could listen to it. It's, I mean, we're talking hours. So, um, it's got a good mix of music. And um, and I really do think that the it's titles are really cool. It's kind of our. minutes. Yeah. So, so, like I said, soundtrack in between. Edit details. On Spotify. Give your playlist and, a catchy description. Oh, okay. Well, we're not going to do it right now while recording. So, is there anything Here? else? Is there anything else we want to tell people? Um, is there? No, I don't think so. Okay. All right. You covered it. Oh, good. You should have been doing this for all the other yeah, episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I think yours added a lot more color than mine. It, it's lo- It's been a long freaking day. Okay. That's it's true. still Tuesday. It's I been a f- long day for me. Are you it's kidding me? Eight fifteen when we just finally recorded this on Tuesday. I have to now go edit and then get this thing posted. So that's what Didn't I'm doing. Did you edit the other half already? I I did. So I you did. only have to edit this one clip. Hey, I still have to edit. So what happened to let's just upload it raw. Okay. I, I wish you have to see the O'Reilly thing. I don't know if you've ever seen it. He goes crazy and he's like, "We're doing it live. We're doing it live." It's, it's hysterical. If you watch it, wow. you'll see. It only took us ninety three episodes to devolve into madness. Yeah, well, anyway, we will see you, or you will hear us next week. Yeah. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye.